information about our ministry, go to jwaller.com. If we can, if you hold your Bible up and say, this is God's word. It is life to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. My mind is alert. I am awake. I'll never be the same again. For I'm about to receive the everlasting, all-powerful, incorruptible seed of the word of God. Give the Lord a praise if you believe that. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. And then we will look at one scripture in John chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screens with us tonight. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. It says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful and Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and the Prince of Peace. John chapter 18 and verse 37. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born. And for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I want to talk about the child king tonight. May we bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you that the word of God does not fall on deaf ears, but falls on good ground and bears a harvest in our life 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone give God a great big amen. amen. The Son of God became a man, so men can become sons of God. W.E. Garrison, the prolific Puritan theologian, stated that there are two high tides of the Christian year. The first being the nativity, the second being the resurrection morning. He goes on to say, while they are events in time, they are also timeless, mysterious, and symbolic. One cannot grasp what happened in Bethlehem any more than one can grasp what happened in Jerusalem. Both events proclaim in essence the exact same thing. He is Emmanuel, Christ, who is with us. And he is alive forevermore. That's why I celebrate Christmas. I celebrate Christmas because he is alive. And he lives in my soul. How many men in here were asked to go Christmas shopping uh, with your wife this year? How many refused? Let me see if I can get my foot up there too. Amen. Two wives asked their husbands to go Christmas shopping. They said, we want to go fishing, not Christmas shopping. So they decided to go fishing. And while they were fishing, violent winds began to blow so hard that the boat capsized. And both of the men began to swim for their lives in shark-infested waters. They swam to an oil rig and held on for dear life, waiting for help. One man said to the other, I'll tell you one thing. The other man said, what's that? He said, this sure beats Christmas shopping. (laughs) A little girl stood in a long line waiting uh, to sit on Santa's knee. And she asked Santa, are you a politician? He replied, no, I'm not a politician. Why do you ask? She said, because you always promise more than you can deliver. (laughs) Christmas is more than toys. It's more than tinsel and Tylenol at 10 o'clock. It is at its essence spiritual warfare. 
It is in the Christmas nativity, brothers and sisters, that we see the triumphant God destroying darkness and death in all of its manifestations. For this reason, Christ came into the world that he might destroy the works of darkness. Why did he come? He came to set the world right with God the Father. Christmas teaches us a couple things about Jesus. Number one, that he is Emmanuel. He is the God who is with us. Better said, he is the God who is tabernacled with us. Is there anybody thankful that Jesus is in your heart this evening? He is the incarnate word. Christmas teaches us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Christmas teaches us that Jesus is the bright and morning star. Wise men followed the star to find him, and today wise men still follow his light to find life for their souls. Christmas teaches us that Jesus is our Savior. Oh, I'm thankful I'm saved this evening. The Bible says to those who believed in him, to them he gave right to become the children of God. Christmas teaches us that Jesus is our prince of peace. When he was born, the angels glorified God and sang peace on earth and goodwill towards man. Christmas teaches us that he is our healer. You may be sick in your body. Christ took 39 stripes upon his back to be your great physician. Christmas teaches us that he is our redeemer. The angel told Mary, you shall call his name Jesus and he shall save his people from their sins. Isaiah said he is a wonderful God. He is our mighty counselor. He is the everlasting father. He is the mighty God. And above all, he is the prince of peace. Today it seems, I don't know if if you realize it or not, but I think today it seems that there is a war on Christmas. But I really don't care if it's politically correct. I'm going to say Merry Christmas. You can say Happy Holidays if you want to, but... I'm going to say Merry Christmas. Atheists and agnostics, listen to me. Your world won't fall apart because someone is singing joy to the world. You don't have to listen to it. You could put headphones in your ears. You can walk away and no one is asking you to be baptized in the light of a nativity scene. But it's called the freedom freedom of religion and the freedom of speech. And if you don't like that, There's planes leaving the country every hour on the hour. I'm Jay Waller and I approve this message. Martin Luther put candles on his Christmas tree to signify the light of Christ and that the light had come into the world. That idea caught on and that's where we get Christmas lights. So every atheist, every time they walk in and light up their Christmas tree, they are establishing that Christ is the light of the world and they don't even know it. Let's just, let's just, let's just practice together. All right, let's turn to your neighbor and tell them, Merry Christmas. Tell them that, Merry Christmas. Merry, uh-huh. 
Don't you feel better? I said, don't you feel better? This Christmas, the Wallers will celebrate a traditional American Christmas with lights from Canada, a tree from Hong Kong. (laughs) I better just stay off of that. But the idea didn't start in China. It started in Bethlehem's manger. I need you to hear me now. It seems to me that one of the tragedies of Christmas is that we continue to worship baby Jesus. In fact, too many of us are still in the nursery with rhyme and song. We are too often teddy bear Christians. The greater message of Christmas is that this baby who uniquely invaded the world grew up to be the Savior of mankind and the King of kings and the Lord of lords and I am not ashamed to say so. Christmas was the beginning of something bigger, something bigger than a nativity scene, bigger than wise men, bigger than gold and frankincense, whatever that is, uh, bigger than shepherds in the field. Uh, It was the beginning of the reign of King Jesus uh, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. When you see the child as a king, everything begins to change in your life. The first time he came, he came as a baby in Bethlehem's manger. But he is coming again. And when he comes again, he's coming as king of kings and as lord of lords. When he came, he was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But when he comes again, he is coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The first time he came, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. But when he comes again, his vestures will be dipped in blood and a name will be written on his side that only he knows. When he came the first time, he came lowly and by himself, the incarnate God as a child. When he comes again, he's coming with all the saints of heaven as the commander of the hosts of Almighty God. When he came the first time, there was no room for him in the inn. But when he comes again, he doesn't care if they've made room for him. He will sit on the throne of his father David in Jerusalem and of his kingdom there will be no end. When he came the first time, Rome killed him. But when he comes again, a sword will proceed out of his mouth and with it he will smite the nations and rule the world with a rod of iron. When he came the first time, they shoved a crown of thorns on his head. But when he comes again, he will be wearing crowns of many crowns. He will be king of kings. He will be lord of lords. He will be majesty on high, the glorified, awesome, incarnate word of almighty God. And you can make a decision if you want to serve the king or not. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's enough to make a fence post shout. Hallelujah. You must realize he is more than a baby. This baby, this child has become king. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about King Jesus. And when you recognize that, your life begins to change. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. 
and the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's my king. Is he your king? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is king. You can choose to do it now or you'll be made to do it later. And everyone will recognize that he is king. Quickly, I want to give you three things that will happen when the blessed child becomes king of your life. Three things this Christmas season that will happen when the blessed child becomes king of your life. Number one, you become born again. The whole reason that Jesus Christ came in the first place is to restore what man had lost through the power of sin. I was, had a sin problem and I couldn't get myself out and neither can you. You don't gain heaven because you're a good person. You gain heaven because you are born again. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Apostle John said, you will be born of incorruptible seed. This is what Jesus said in John 3 and 3. He answered and said to them, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Write this down if you're taking notes. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Oh, if you can hold on to that, brothers and sisters, it will change your life. When you bow your knee to the king, he changes your spirit man instantly. Man is a threefold being. He is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a physical body. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, your spirit man is recreated in the image and the likeness of God instantly. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And then Ephesians said, you are sealed with the Spirit so sin cannot penetrate your spirit any longer. But your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions has to be restored and renewed according to Romans chapter 12 and Psalms 23. And you're walking around in an earth suit called a physical body. And when you become born again, your spirit man is recreated in the image and the likeness of God and it cannot sin. Because it is born of incorruptible seed. And that's what guarantees you access into the kingdom of God. Here's what Bill Weiss stated, and I quote, The default position for every person is that they are on the road to hell unless they allow Christ to get in the way through a deliberate decision to follow him, end of quote. Well, how could you say that, Pastor? Because the book of Psalms says all of us are born into sin we arrive as sinners how many parents I got in here how many know your children will eventually disobey you not clean their room 
witness somebody and they didn't have to learn how to do that. (laughs) It was just in their nature to do that. Amen. Sin is locked in the heart of a man. So God says, here's what I'm going to do. If you're born into sin, you can get a do-over. You can be born again. And when you're born again, you're born again with incorruptible seed living on the inside of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new because now all things are of God. You must be born again. When you recognize that the child is king and you bow your knee and give your life to him, you're making the greatest decision of your life. If you believe it, give the Lord a praise. When the child becomes king number two, you receive his divine grace. Oh, I'm thankful for his amazing grace. The moment you give your life to Christ, he never judges you again. Your judgment is passed because you've accepted Christ's forgiveness. You are no longer condemned. There is no condemnation to those who are what in Christ Jesus, yes. John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. Do you see that? If you believe in him, you are not condemned. If you've given your life to Christ, he is madly in love with you. And there's just nothing you can do about it. He carries your picture in his wallet. Say amen to that. Hallelujah. When you accept his grace, you will live more for him on accident than you could ever do by trying really hard. It's only through his divine grace that you can live a life pleasing to him. Well, but pastor, I hear you talking. But pastor, the church is full of hypocrites. Yeah? So what? We're all hypocritical at some point, on some level. We're all putting on a mask on some level. Come on, talk back to me if you can. Because if you were for real, you'd rather be in your pajamas right now. That you've got to hold on, amen, to make sure that they don't go anywhere. No, we're all, we've all got a level of hypocrisy in our life at, on some level, and that's why we need God's everlasting grace, that he does not judge us based on what we do. He judges us based on what Christ has done. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. It's not that, it's not, the, hear me, it's not that God is easy on sin. He hates sin. He has to judge sin. He's all good. But he judged that sin at the cross of Calvary. All of God's anger was poured out upon Jesus Christ. That's why he came. And that's why he died. Give him praise if you believe it in the house of the Lord. John 1.16 says, And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And we are better because of it. When the child becomes, three, becomes king in your life, number three, you will live in his kingdom. 
The kingdom has implications for us now and when we die. Is it about saving you from hell? Yes, but even more many times it's saving us from the hell we're living in right now. I don't, I don't need uh, God in the sweet by and by. I need him in the nasty here and now. Can I get an amen? So he puts us, he propels us, pushes us into his kingdom that has benefits for our everyday life. Psalms 103 in verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Watch this, and forget not all of his benefits. There are benefits for serving Jesus. There are benefits for living for God. What are those benefits? He forgives you all your iniquities. He heals all of your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that even your youth is renewed like the eagles. When you're living in the kingdom of God. You can be 80 years old. And not have to sit around and talk about your aching joints and your arthritis. Say amen to that. You're living in the kingdom of God. Do you realize that a king is judged based upon how the citizens of the kingdom are living? If the citizens of the kingdom are living well, the king is righteous. If they're not, that king deserves to be judged. When I give my life to Jesus Christ, I receive all that Christ deserves, not what I deserve. I receive the full kingdom. Not only that, but heaven is my eternal home. It is my everlasting reward where I will see King Jesus as he is. And when I see him as he is, the Bible says, then I shall know what I will be like. Glory be to God. John chapter 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Where are you at this evening? Is Christ the king of your life? Many of us will travel. Many of us We'll get with family and friends. And we're going to eat. I'm wearing stretchy pants. Um, I'm already starting to stretch. Hallelujah. Amen. We will, we will exchange gifts. We will celebrate. Santa Claus and reindeer and candy canes. But I want to give you the greatest gift I could possibly possibly give you this evening. If you don't know who Jesus is, I want to give you an opportunity to meet not only the Savior of the world, not only my King, but my very best friend. Stand to your feet with me, please, all over the house.
Listen, you may not know a lot about Christianity, a lot about the Bible, a lot about faith, and that's okay. I don't understand how internal combustion works, but I drove my car here. I'm not sure how electricity can get from the power plant to this light bulb, but it doesn't stop me from flipping the switch on. And you don't have to let anything stand in your way of bowing your knee to King Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Pastor, I've never personally given my life to Jesus Christ, but I've heard your sermon this evening, and I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And you want to give your life to Him. Because if you don't choose to do it now, you'll be made to do it then. Well, Pastor, I believe that there's many roads that lead to God. Jesus didn't say there were many roads. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If I told you to come to my house, I live in Neola right off of 5th Street, go up two blocks and take a left, and my house is four houses down on the left-hand side. And you say, I don't believe that's the way to your house. I believe there's many ways to your house. I'm going to go on I-80 to Underwood to Faith Street, and I'll find your house. How many know... I'm not, I'm, I'm not closed-minded. I'm not narrow-minded. I'm trying to teach you and tell you how to get to my house. I'm trying to tell you and show you the way. All roads don't lead to God. Jesus says, I am the door. The only way is through Jesus Christ. Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. Or maybe you're in this room and you want to rededicate your life to him. You've fallen away from him and your heart is cold. I want to give you an opportunity as well. Pastor, I want to bow my knee to this child king right where you're at. Slip your hand in the air. Slip your hand in the air all over this building. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hold your hand up high. Pastor, why do I got to hold my hand up? Because the Bible says you must confess him before men. Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. You can put your hands down. I want everyone to look at me. For those of you who raised your hand, you're making the greatest decision of your life. You can accept Jesus Christ and know that you know that you know when you leave this place that God has you in the very palm of his hand. How is one saved? One is not saved because they confess their sins to a person or a priest. You are saved because you confess your sins to God. Romans chapter 10 says, With the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What it means is we're going to pray a prayer together. And if you really believe in your heart what you're confessing out of your mouth, out loud, loud enough so you can hear yourself do it, that quickly, supernaturally, you will pass from darkness into his marvelous light. And what a Christmas it will be. Everyone under the sound of my voice, repeat this prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me 
in the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. I believe you died for my sins. And I believe you were raised again. And I believe you're alive forevermore. Now live in me now. And I promise, empowered by your Holy Spirit, to live the best life I know how. It makes me feel so good, I might shout. Go ahead then, give him praise. and.